Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Ujima Spirit Podcast. I am your host, Tika Taylor. Today's topic is pornography, addiction to lust. Now, let's think for a moment. Mm. Why would a society make it permissible or acceptable to use sexuality as a form of entertainment? Sexuality is a basic human need for biological, physical, emotional, and mental purposes. Sexuality is not just used for human procreation and reproduction. Sexuality is an intimate relationship between two consenting adults in their own private sacred space. Sexuality is a mutual exchange of energy for the enhancement of human relationships. Sexuality enables humans to love, form emotional bonds, and improve intimacy. It helps build trust and fosters better relationships. Now, there are many benefits to having healthy sexuality within a loving relationship. Now, let's discuss some of these benefits. The reduction of stress. That is a good benefit. The reduction of stress. Now, sex releases hormones. When we have sex, our bodies releases hormones like endorphins and oxytocin. These natural chemicals help reduce depression, pain, and stress. Also, sex releases another chemical, serotonin, which improves mood and relaxation. Prolactin is released and is associated with sleep and rest. Healthy sexual relationships have other benefits as well, such as the following. It lowers blood pressure. It helps build better immune system. It's a natural pain reliever. Helps lower the risk for heart disease. Improve self-esteem. Strengthen muscles. Burn calories and improve mental health. Human beings are biologically, mentally, and emotionally wired to have healthy sexual relationships with each other. Pregnancy is achieved through the act of sexuality. Nature made it necessary for a male and female to come together to produce a child. This union has to be a special event, something that is sacred and divine. A child is conceived out of this occasion. A healthy situation produces healthy children. An unhealthy situation or circumstance produces unhealthy, sickly, and dysfunctional children. Now, let's look at the opposite of healthy sex. What's the opposite? Sexual abuse, sexual exploitation, or sexual assaults. Now, these unhealthy sexual sexual practices produce negative effects on multiple levels. Let's discuss some of the negativity, some of the bad stuff that come out of unhealthy sexuality. We have post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety disorder, stress-related disorder, depression, suicidal thoughts, fears, chronic fatigue, shortness of breath, heart palpitation, numbness, shock, a feeling of powerlessness and helplessness, guilt, shame, compromised immune system, psychosomatic illnesses such as 
body pain, digestive problems, insomnia, skin disorder, feeling lethargic, and sexual dysfunction. So all these negative things come out of an unhealthy sexual relationship. Now we see the difference between healthy sex and unhealthy sex. So why are we still promoting, advocating, or condoning unhealthy sexual practices? That's the question. Why are we still sexually objectifying and commodifying human beings? Why are we using sexuality to make a profit while disregarding and perverting this natural human need? Now, how did the concept of sexuality become corrupted or distorted? Now, let's return to the system of Western patriarchy. Under the system of patriarchy, females were sexually objectified and commodified under this patriarchal system and the Greek culture. They were classified as sexual objects to be used for procreation and sexual activity. Prostitution was a prevalent practice in Greece and it was an acceptable position for females. Sexuality was commodified and it was used as a business transaction. Women were bought, sold, and traded as objects for currency. Prostitution was the first sexual industry that was created to feed the sexual appetites of Western patriarchal citizens. Sexual slavery, along with slave labor, was a common practice in Greece. Again, when people are sexually objectified and commodified, they are automatically dehumanized and deprived of their human qualities and attributes. The concept of modern pornography was introduced in Greece. Pornography is a Greek word that literally means the writing about whores. The ancient Greeks and Romans had a lot of public arts, sculptures, and paintings depicting sexual acts, especially homosexuality. Later, in other Western cultures, pornographic materials in the form of novels and later pictures were developed. Now, what is pornography? Pornography is all about producing and selling sexually explicit materials for consumption. Again, sexuality became a product or service that was commodified. Pornography wasn't just simply selling sex. It was associated with oppression, sexism, violence, and degradation. It reinforced the objectification of human beings by making them an object to be sexually exploited. Pornography started by showing images, drawings, art, or writing about whores. This activity evolved into an industry that became the expression of misogynistic manifestation of the cultural hatred of females. Now, 
Modern pornography is a depiction of images of sexual violence, aggression, gang rape, sodomy, and subjugation of females. It's reported that 97% of sexual violence and aggression and pornography targets women. The objective of engaging or viewing pornographic materials is sexual arousal or stimulation. That's the goal. The question we should all ask is, how can a human being become sexually aroused or excited by being exposed to sexually degrading, debasing, and demoralizing material? I'm going to ask that question again. The question is, we need to ask this question, how can a human being become sexually aroused or excited by being exposed to sexually degrading, debasing, and demoralizing material? What makes some people accept, tolerate, or justify the sexual exploitation of others, especially females? Obviously, the answer is their mentality. The way they think or their thought process makes it acceptable. Again, living in a social environment that normalizes human objectification makes them desensitized to the suffering or pain of the individuals or groups that are being dehumanized through pornography. In other words, they have been conditioned or programmed to see some people as things or objects without any type of humanity or value. So when they see an objectified person being raped, molested, injured, beaten, defecated on, spit on, vomiting on, urinated on, or killed, it doesn't mean anything to them. Because in their mind, they're not seeing a human being. They're seeing a thing. They're not seeing a woman, a child, a man, an elderly person. They see an object, a thing that's been deprived of its humanity. It's no longer seen as a human being. Right? Now, the people in this society that accepts pornography... These people have internalized society's sexist, misogynistic, and negative messages. They have become emotionally detached, numbed, and consciousless. They don't have a conscious. They're not bothered or disturbed by the nastiness or the filthiness of pornography. They have a sense of sexual entitlement, believing that females should be used for a man's sexual pleasure without any regards for her well-being or safety. This is what happens when a person or group is commodified. They become just a product without a personal identity, free will, personality, or dignity. They're just another piece of meat. They are seen as a human toilet or somebody's garbage. This is how they are seen and treated. 
These are victims with no face or voice and no human rights. When someone is sexually objectified, when they're commodified, they are not seen as human beings. They have no face, no identity, no voice, no choice, no human rights. I want to emphasize on that because these are human beings that are being degraded, disrespected. Now, let's look at what's behind that. What's behind this mentality? All right, this is a predatory mindset. This is the mindset of a predator. This is the mindset of a psychopath, sociopath, or a narcissist. When you have people who don't care about other people, when they only care about their own sexual needs, when they will use and abuse and exploit another for their sexual gratification, these people have a predatory mindset. They are psychopaths, sociopaths, or narcissists. Now, let's look at some of the psychopathic traits, right? We got to look at that. Let's look at what is defined as a psychopath. What are the symptoms? What are the traits, personality traits? What are the behaviors? Let's look at that to see, because this is what we get from the definition of a psychopath. Someone who has the need for excitement and stimulation. They want to enjoy the thrill of instant gratification. They want it. They want it now. They want constant action. Now, we see that in the people who like pornography. They want the thrill, the sexual thrill. Another trait of a psychopath is a pathological liar. People who engage in pornography, sometimes they lie. The biggest lie is self-deception. They're fooling themselves into thinking that they're doing something that's good, something that's acceptable to them. They have to lie to themselves. And then they have to lie to others to cover it up because they cannot disclose to their loved ones what they're doing watching pornography because it has a lot of negativity that comes with it. They pick up a lot of vice, a lot of bad habits and patterns. All right, so one of the signs of a psychopath is their a path, you know, they're always lying. So they're a pathological liar. And we see that in people who view pornography on a consistent basis. We're not talking about people who occasionally watch pornography. We're talking about people who are porn addicts, people who are constantly watching porn all the time and they don't see anything wrong with it. Hardcore porn. We'll talk about that. Another characteristic of a psychopath is that they have inflated egos inflated view of themselves. They're egotistical. They see themselves as more important than everybody else. They see that they're entitled. They feel justified to live according to their own rules. They think the law doesn't apply to them. They can do whatever they want. So we can see the people who view pornography can have that. And obviously the people who create pornography, the people who maintain the pornographic industry, We can see they're psychopaths because for them to do that to another human being, they cannot have a conscience. Now, they also are very manipulative. We see that. They manipulate people because how do you convince people that something that is horrible is good? How can you 
tell people to purchase something that's going to enslave them mentally and emotionally. Something that can make them an addict. They become addicted to lust, instant gratification, and sexual arousal. Right? Now, another trait of a psychopath, they lack any remorse. They, they don't feel any guilt or shame for causing others pain. They rationalize their behavior. They blame others. Lack of remorse. The people in the pornographic industry, the pornography industry, who are making, producing, distributing this filth, they have no remorse. They don't care if they destroy people's lives. They mess up children. They objectify people. They sell people. People go into sexual slavery. People are raped, sodomized, abused. They don't care. So the people who create the pornographic industry, the people who are involved in it, the people who watch it, all those people are sick. They're psychopaths. And a lot of people may be offended, but I'm giving the description of the psychopath, what they do. And we can see those behaviors in the people who are part of the pornographic industry. They're shallow, superficial, un emotional. They detach themselves. Lack of empathy. They don't understand how other people feel because if they can put themselves in the shoe of a victim, then they wouldn't do what they're doing. They would have a conscience, but they don't have any conscience. They live a parasitic lifestyle. They're users and abusers. They take advantage of other people. They exploit other people. So we have to be honest with ourselves. Who are we dealing with? A psychopath. Now, promiscuous. They love to just go around and have sex with any and everybody. Use sex as a way to get what they want. Sex is not an emotional or loving thing for them. Sex is something that they do to get what they want. They're very self-centered and selfish when it comes to sexuality. They want what they want and they don't care who they use and abuse to get what they want. Impulsivity. Act on impulse or how they feel. They don't think about the risks or the consequences. They lack any insight. They're not thinking about anything. They just want what they want and they're going to act upon their emotions. Right? The same thing with people who are engaged in pornography. They just want what they want. They want sexual arousal, sexual stimulation, and they're going to get it at any means. They're going to use any means to get what they want. Okay, Irresponsible. They don't accept any responsibility for their lives or they're not accountable for their behaviors. They don't seek to solve problems or issues. They just want to come and just be reckless. Get whatever they want, when they want, how they want. Okay, sometimes they have criminal intentions, engage in unethical behaviors, illegal practices, the break the law rules without any hesitation. We're talking about psychopaths, but we can see the similarities between people who we call psychopaths and the people who run the pornography industry and the people who actually use pornography. Not saying that all people are like that, but a lot of people who really get deep into pornography, pornography, pornographic materials, they display some of the same similar characteristics that we see in psychopaths. They lack a conscience. They have no sense of what's right 
They're morally bankrupt. They don't care about doing the right thing. They're all about making money. That's all they want to do. Make money. And that's all they focus on. They don't care that they're going to be using people who are victims of human trafficking. They don't care if they use children. They don't care if they exploit women and men. They don't care as long as they make a profit. Those are the people who operate the pornography industry. And the people who are using pornographic services, they sometimes act the same way. Because after a while, they become desensitized and dehumanized. Now, they're more prone to violent and aggressive behavior. They tolerate or promote sexual violence. All right, so basically, we're dealing with psychopaths. That's the reason why they're able to create a whole industry commodifying sexuality, objectifying women and children and men. This is how they're able to tolerate this. This is how they're able to promote and condone using human sexuality as a thing for entertainment, as a product or service to be bought, sold, and exchanged. This is how they're able to do this. All right? Now, let's go ahead on and continue. Some people may point out that pornography may incite men to become sexually violent towards women and children because the majority of sexual offenders who committed rape, incest, molestation, and child sexual abuse were porn consumers. Some people do believe that. That porn definitely influences people to commit sexual crimes. Now, however... Pornography is not the main influencer. Let's think now. Before pornography, we had rape, we had incest, child molestation, and sexual abuse. Before pornography, we had that. So what did we have before pornography? What do we still have? We have patriarchy. Okay, it is patriarchy that created the rape culture, making it acceptable to commit sexual violence, sexual perversion, and sexually dysfunctional acts. Under patriarchy, all women are at risk of sexual assault. All women. There's no exception. Now, it's crazy that some researchers are saying that pornography is a sexual release for men and becomes an alternative outlet instead of committing a sexual crime. Huh? What? Now, this is justification of the rape culture. This is just justification. Now, they're implying that men rape because they need to release sexual tension or frustration. So basically, they're saying that the men who do rape, not saying all men rape, because we do live in a rape culture that that they condone and accept rape, but not all men rape, obviously. Thank goodness. All right. So they're saying that the rapists are trying to fulfill their sexual desires when they rape. That's what they're saying. So what they're saying is that pornography gives them an alternative outlet. That means that instead of them going to fulfill their sexual desires by raping somebody, they could just use pornography to channel that sexual energy. Does that make any sense? It doesn't make sense. Pornography is given to men as an option to prevent sexual assaults on women and children? Is that what they're saying? 
So if they don't give men pornography as an outlet, they're going to go ahead on and rape women and children? The sad thing is some people really believe this rationalization. This is nothing but a justification of the rape culture. So they're saying that we're going to go ahead and give you an outlet so you can channel your sexual energy because if we don't give you something, you can't help yourself, you're going to have to rape somebody. So rape becomes about sexual fulfillment instead of power and control. Now, some researchers make the assumption that the legalization and access of pornography have been associated with a decrease in sex crimes. In many Western nations, Denmark and other countries in Europe. Now, some Asian countries as well. You have China, Japan, and Hong Kong. Okay, so logically speaking, just because rape allegations and reportings have decreased in Western society doesn't mean sexual violence is not taking place. Obviously, rape, sexual assault, sexual perversion have been normalized. Okay, so so more people are just accepting it or they're just denying it. They're accepting it and moving on and not bothering to report it anymore because nothing is being done about it or they're in denial. They don't know they're being raped because people are not raped all the time by force. Rape is just someone making you have sex against your will. And some people think that's not rape because they're not beaten down. They're they're not held at gunpoint. Just because you are not held at gunpoint, you're forced to do something against your will doesn't mean that it's not rape. But the fact is, that's a rationalization. Yes, maybe the sex crimes are not being reported. Yes, the numbers have gone down. But they're giving that credit to pornography. Again, they're justifying it. They're saying that because the men are busy watching pornography, they don't have time or the desire to rape women. Instead of saying that something was wrong, deadly wrong, with a man to believe that he had the right to rape a woman as a way to vent his sexual frustration or to fulfill his sexual needs. Now, something is wrong with that man. Instead of the researchers saying that, They're saying that, oh, pornography, because it's legalized, it has given men an option to deal with their sexual frustration so they no longer have to rape women. That, it makes no sense. This makes no sense at all, but this is what's going on. Now, a group of people who are already programmed to sexually objectify women and see sexuality as a commodity won't see anything detrimental about pornography. It's reported that the pornography industry is a billion dollar business and it has larger revenues than Microsoft, Google, Amazon, eBay, Yahoo, Apple, and Netflix combined. This is what's reported. So pornography is very common very very common and very acceptable in society it is pervasive it is all over the world it has taken over it is a billion dollar industry the united states hosted the most pono accounts 
for 60% of all pornography websites. So we have the majority, 60% of pornography websites are in the United States. 60%. So the United States is in the pornography business. They are a main pornography supplier. They supply 60% of the pornography business comes from the United States. The majority of men in the United States, about 70% watch pornography and 30% of women. Now, maybe it's underrated for the women. Maybe the women are not admitting it, that they watch it. Okay. I've seen other statistics. The numbers are up. It could be from 90% to 60%. It varies. Depends on what area. But in the United States, who's doing the research? 70% watch pornography. That's a high number. Now, why is that? People now have easy access to pornography online, through the social media, on the internet. Now, before, a person had to go to the toy shop for them to go purchase their pornography. Or they had to order it through the mail and they had to wait for it to come. And it had to be delivered in a little discreet package. Now, pornography is accessible and available 24 hours a day. They have movies, sexual visual images, video games, virtual world, animation, sexual books and magazines. Pornography actually reinforces the sexual objection of women. Obviously, a lot of individuals are brainwashed to believe pornography is a good experience. That's why so many people are engaging in it. They associate pornography with the following. People have been brainwashed to believe that pornography is sexual liberation. That means that they have the right for them to engage in sexuality. There is no sexual boundaries. There's no more sexual restrictions, no limitations. They are sexually free. This is freedom for them. This is what they believe. This is what they were taught and brainwashed to believe that pornography is associated with sexual liberation. There's no boundaries. But everything has boundaries. There has to be boundaries. Because if not, you're going to do something that's going to create a problem. Because sexuality was intended for a particular purpose. Sexuality is not for entertainment, it's not for recreation, it's not for fun. Sexuality is a sacred act between a man and a woman for procreation and and, uh, reproduction. It is to help an intimate relationship become more intimate. It's to foster trust and a bond between people who care about each other. All right, but they wanna be sexually liberated. That is the promise. The pornographic industry, they've done a tremendous public relationship job. They've done such a great job promoting propaganda, saying that people are sexually liberated. They can do whatever they want, when they want, how they want. Okay, sexual expression. They see pornography as a form of sexual expression. They can express themselves however they want through sexuality. They can have sex with whoever they want wherever they want, and however they want. Okay, they don't have to have no guidelines. 
no boundaries, no limits. They could express themselves however they want. Now, also, pornography is associated with sexual rights. I have the right, my sexual rights. Sexual right to do what's right. Sexuality is about doing what's right. Because if you don't practice healthy sexuality, we just earlier mentioned all the negative things that happen when you engage in unhealthy sexuality. That's what we talk about. All the horrible things that happen when sexuality is abused and exploited and degraded. So yeah, we do have our sexual rights, but we do have to have sexual boundaries. There are certain things we cannot do, especially when it comes to hurting other people, abusing, exploiting, degrading, objectifying, dehumanizing. Okay? So we cannot claim sexual right with pornography because there is no sexual rights. Rights to who? The abuser? The person who is doing the exploiting, the manipulating, the person who is in charge, in control, they're the ones who have rights. The victims don't have any rights, right? Freedom of speech. They hide behind the First Amendment. Oh, pornography is the freedom of speech. We can do what we want, okay? Freedom from censorship, all right? But if you have the freedom, you also should have the responsibility. If you have the freedom to say what you want, You have to make sure what you're saying is not hurting anybody. If you have the freedom to watch what you want, you got to be responsible not to feed yourself something that's going to hurt you or something that's going to create a problem for someone else in society. All right? They always say that to censor pornography would be against the First Amendment. So they're against that. All right? Now, sexual adventures and excitement. People just want to be sexually liberated so they can have adventures, right? This is is what's associated with pornography. And this is what's make people accepting of pornography because it's been justified. It's been rationalized that pornography is a great thing, all right? But we know that there are many numerous researchers that have proven that sexuality is detrimental to the human mind the human emotions, and human relationships, and to society overall, to families, okay? Pornography is detrimental. It's negative. It has negative effects. It's not something that is helpful in relationships at all. It doesn't help, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Now, let's talk about the sexual revolution, because pornography wouldn't be possible if we didn't have the sexual revolution. So let's just briefly touch on the sexual revolution in the United States and in Western cultures. But specifically, exclusively, I'm dealing with the United States. Now, the sexual revolution was a social movement in the 1960s and 1970s that promoted sexual promiscuity and non-traditional sexual activities outside of monogamous relationship, such as marriage. They wanted to break free from all sexual morality, sexual restriction, or boundaries. They wanted to do whatever they want to do. All right? Now, the objection or goal of the sexual revolution was to sexually liberate people from all traditional sexual morality. It promoted Hindonistic ways which directed the public to focus primarily on seeking personal pleasure 
personal sexual pleasure. That was it. That's what they focus on. It persuades people to use sex as a recreational activity without taking any personal responsibility or accountability. It condoned the using of people for sexual gratification and self-indulgence. The sexual revolution paved the way for sexual exploitation through the sex industry, which included the following. All right. Now, within the sex industry, started by the sexual revolution, we have prostitution, escort services, which is prostitution supposed to be high class, discreet. We have exotic dancing, known as strip dancing, strippers. We have phone sex, massage parlors, under the the skies, but really they're prostitute rings. Swingers club. We have cyber sex, which is on the internet, sexual video games, and sexual virtual worlds. This came later on with the advancing technology. Again, the sexual revolution paved the way for sexual exploitation through the sex industry. All right? So without the sexual revolution, we wouldn't have the sex industry. Okay? Now, sexuality became a substitution for human relationship and was used as a tool of the dehumanization process. All right? It's a tool of the dehumanization process. We have to think about it. Sexuality became a substitute, right? They weren't focusing on building relationships. Who's they? The sexual revolution, right? These people who started the sexual revolution, they weren't talking about building relationships, healthy relationships, healthy sexual relationships. They were just strictly focusing on the act of sexuality. They weren't dealing with people. They were dealing with the act and behavior. Okay, the behavior became the substitute for the relationship. They took out one aspect of the human relationship. Sexuality is supposed to be within a human relationship. You can't divorce or separate, take out sexuality from the human relationship. Okay, you cannot do that. And this is what the sexual revolution did. It removed sexuality from human relationship. Sexuality became the substitute for human relationship. The masses were made delusional to believe that people could use casual sex and casual flings for short-term instant gratification without any negative consequences. I'm going to repeat that again. The masses were made delusional. They were made to believe a lie. They were deceived. They were tricked into believing that people could use casual sex, sexual flings for instant sexual gratification without any negative consequences. In other words, they could do whatever they want with sexuality and they weren't going to reap negative consequences. Nothing bad was going to happen. Okay? Nothing bad was going to happen. They could just go around and just have sex with people. We don't have to worry about STDs, sexually transmitted disease. We don't have to worry about unplanned pregnancies. We don't have to worry about rapes and sexual assault. We just go and just have sex. Everybody just have sex. Okay? Sexuality was separated or divorced from human relationship. Now, the sex industry made it socially acceptable for people to perceive each other as a piece of meat 
or body parts for sale. For sale or sexual pleasure. People were trained to see each other as body parts. Breasts, hips, thighs, genital areas. This is what happened. All right. Now, they had women, the sexual revolution, embracing nudity or dressing like prostitutes. They had women acting like freaks or perverts, always in search for the sexual thrill of the moment. Sex was used as a form of escapism or distraction from emotional reality and the stresses of life. Also, it was used to self-medicate and cover up mental health issues such as depression, anxiety, insecurity, or low self-esteem. All right? So they were advocating, promoting free love. And love was a code word for sex. Okay? That's why they call it free love. Make love, not war. Really, they were promoting sexuality. They were promoting uninhibited, unrestricted sexuality. And they were encouraging women to do it. Embrace your nudity. If you're not going to be nude, then dress like you're a hooker, like you're a prostitute. Nothing personally against prostitutes because they're human beings. They're in it for the circumstance. All right? And we'll talk about that some other time. But I'm talking about the fact that they were promoting this under the sexual revolution. Right? Now, they also promoted anonymous sexual encounters. Anonymous, meaning that you can meet somebody. You don't have to know their name. You can just go and have sex with them. You don't even know them. Okay, and recklessness, having intercourse with strangers. Right? Now, again, that's just promoting recklessness. You're promoting someone to be totally irresponsible. And at that time, during the sexual revolution, we had all kind of STDs. The rates of STDs, infections were increasing. We had a lot of unplanned pregnancies, broken hearts, and emotional issues. Now, that was the time for Playboy culture. That was the Playboy Playboy culture that was created in 1973. That was part, the sexual revolution was part of that Playboy culture. Okay, the Playboy culture was created in 1953 to entertain the male population with female sexual toys known as playmates or play bunnies. 1953, they were calling women who were part of the Playboy culture they were calling these women playmates play toys or play bunnies dressing them up like rabbits now rabbit is a symbol for sexuality and fertility right now playboy that was part of the sexual revolution 1953 they definitely funded the sexual revolution they were part of it now the sexual revolution could not be possible without birth control or other contraceptives, legal abortion, and the feminist revolution. They couldn't pull that out. Now, this opened the gate for the birth of the pornographic industry in the 1970s to feed the sexual appetite of the sexually liberated who crave sexual materials. All right, this is what happened. So a whole industry was created, the sexual revolution. It created a whole sexual industry to now feed the people who are craving for sexual materials. 
for sexual expression, for sexual exploration. They, they had to create the whole industry to be able to cater to that. The sexual revolution. Now again, the sexual revolution would not be possible if we didn't have birth control. Because when these women and men were just going around having reckless, irresponsible sex, they had to have some way to prevent pregnancies. Okay? And if they got pregnant at a point they couldn't do anything about it because it was too late for them to prevent it, they already got pregnant, then they had legalized abortion. And the feminist revolution pretty much told women that it's your right to be sexually free. You can do whatever you want to do. Go ahead on and have sex with any and everybody. Right? This is what created the pornographic industry. The sexual revolution. I want you all to see the connection. Right? Now, unfortunately, sex became just another addictive recreational activity with no moral value or intimacy. This is what happened. The sexual revolution and the pornographic industry reduced sex to nothing but a recreational activity with no moral value or intimacy. Pornographic material in the form of books, magazines, pictures, films were available everywhere for public consumption. It was everywhere. It was everywhere. The women's rights movement was seeking the right for women to be sexually liberated to pursue their independence from marriage, motherhood, and morality. Women were given the right to be as promiscuous as men in engaging in premarital sex. Homosexual activities, masturbation, erotic fantasies, sexual perversion, and pornographic materials. They were free to become every man's sexual object and toy. They were authorized to have children as single mothers without fathers to claim them or take responsibility for their well-being. Now the question is, how did this sexual liberation really benefit women? Since the years following this movement, the incidence of sexual harassment, stalking, sexual assault, rape, and domestic violence have tremendously increased for women. The National Coalition Against Domestic Violence reported the following statistics. One in every four women will experience domestic violence in their lifetime. Nearly 7.8 million women have been raped by an intimate partner at some point in their lives. The United States Department of Justice reported the following statistics. Females made up 70% of victims killed by intimate partners in 2007. And females were at higher risk of stalking victimization than males. Now, please, somebody tell me, please tell me, what am I missing? How did the sexual revolution benefit women? What good did the sexual revolution do for women? What good has pornography done for women? 
What good has the feminist movement done for women? We have to look at those contributing factors that's leading to the exploitation and objectification and codification of women. We have to look at all that. Now, let's go ahead on and find out who was primarily responsible for that sexual movement. Who got this sexual movement started? Who, who, who gave the green light, the go-ahead to start promoting all this sexuality in America. Let's go to the man himself, Alfred C. Kinsey. Alfred C. Kinsey, a biologist and sexologist, was responsible for launching a national sex misinformation program to seduce the public into accepting sexual immorality, which was a setup for the sexual revolution and pornography industry. In 1947, he founded the Institute for Sex Research at the Indiana University. His work and research on human sexuality influenced the normalization of sexually deviant behavior. Kinsey's unscientific sexual research were used to abolish laws to protect women and children against sexual exploitation. Now, there were laws to restrict sex before marriage. That law was called fornication law. Laws to penalize sex outside of marriage were called adultery laws. Laws against oral or anal sex were called sodomy laws. Laws preventing the sale or use of pornography or obscene materials and articles, that law was called the Comstock Law. So we had all these laws in place in the United States to create sexual boundaries for people. So people could not get up and do whatever it is that they wanted to do. Because people can and they do do things that are not in their best interest. Whether it be it's not in their interest as individuals or it is not in their interest as a community or a nation. So definitely the government had to step in to govern the citizens' behavior because a lot of people don't have common sense. A lot of people don't have a conscience. They don't have moral standards, good moral standards. So if the government don't enact laws, they're not going to know how to act. Now, these people who don't have a spiritual foundation, they don't have a moral foundation, they don't have sometimes a culture or a, or a religious foundation to help them govern themselves. So the government had to institute fornication laws to say people couldn't have sex before marriage because they understood that if they did have sex before marriage, babies could be born. Who's going to take care of those babies? The babies won't have a father because the father don't have to claim the child. The mothers are going to get stuck with these babies. And this is exactly what happened when they eliminated the fornication laws. Now they had adultery laws to prevent people from stepping outside their marriage and having sex and producing other babies. All right. And when they got rid of the adultery laws, we see people cheating left and right in marriages. They had sodomy laws saying that you can't have anal sex or oral sex. All right. Now there are some health reasons behind that for some people, of course. All right. Now, and we had to prevent the sale of pornography and obscene materials. We had the Comstock law. We needed that because if not, We see what's going on now. When they abolish these laws, now we have total sexual anarchy. Total sexual anarchy. 
We have any and everything is going on. The people can't govern or control themselves. All right, now, Kinsey received his information about human sexuality from inmates in prison who were sex offenders, prostitutes, serial rapists, pedophiles, and child molesters. He claimed his research was based on the normal general population, which was proven to be a lie. He used these sexual perverts to create a new standard of sexual conduct for the public. His philosophy was anything goes, and any form of sexual desire should not be repressed. Again, he said anything goes. He created the new standard. It was his contribution that eliminated these sexual laws. He said that you can do anything sexually that you feel. Now, Kinsey was bisexual, and he did engage in a lot of group orgies. I mean, you all can go and research. So he himself was practicing a lot of sexual deviance. And that's the reason why he condoned those practices and wanted to make those things available for everybody to engage in. Now, Dr. Judith Rensman, in her book titled Kinsey, Sex, and Fraud, The Indoctrination of a People Exposed. Now, she did an amazing job, Dr. Judith A. Reisman, R-E-I-S-M-A-N. Y'all can check her out. She did an amazing job in her book. The title of the book is Kinsey, Sex, and Fraud, The Indoctrination of a People Exposed. She did an amazing job in that book, exposing Kinsey. So you all can check it out. Now, she documented the discrepancies, deception, and lies in the work of Kinsey. Kinsey Institute was financially supported by contributions from Playboy and Planned Parenthood. Now we see, Kinsley was supported by Playboy and Planned Parenthood. Playboy was part of the sex industry, right? Pornographic industry, that was the first official pornographic empire, so to speak. And Planned Parenthood was providing the contraceptives and the abortion. So we had them come together to support Kinsey and his sexual makeover. Now, these three organizations basically orchestrated the social engineering tools to program the general public by providing instructions on how to become sexual perverts in their revised sexual liberation movement. They're the ones who started the sexual revolution. We have Kinsley, we have Playboy, Planned Parenthood. They came together created this manual. Now the following thing happened. After Kinsley started his program, you had the followers of Kinsley created the first modern sex education organization, which was called the Sexuality Information and Education Council of the United States and the Institute for Advanced Study of Human Sexuality. These two organizations wrote the majority of the curriculum for elementary and secondary school sex education and gave certification to most sex education teachers. In their so-called sex educational materials, they condone incest, pedophilia, and other sexual deviant practices. Their goal was to demoralize the children and make them accepting of sexual abuse 
as the norm by adults. The sexual revolution was orchestrated for sexual curiosity, which encouraged sexual experimentation. This movement trivialized sexuality and made it into another recreation activity for entertainment purposes. The government sanctioned the sexual revolution by decriminalizing sexual perversion, contraceptives for single people, pornography, and abortion. The sexual revolution gave birth to the sex industry. Sexuality was no longer a sacred act or an expression of love or a form of intimacy. Sexuality was commodified and packaged to be sold to consumers who were groomed or programmed to see it as a recreational tool. The societal moral code was broken and the floodgates were open for decadent sexual lifestyles and practices. Women no longer had to be forced or coerced into accepting sexual deviant behaviors. They were tricked into accepting what they perceived to be sexual liberation, but in reality was really sexual degradation. The sex industry includes socially accepted sexual practices, such as prostitution, to bizarre acts as orgies, rape, bestiology, sadomasochism, pedophilia, necrophilia, which is the eating, which is the eating of, of um, which is the, the having sex with dead bodies, necrophilia, having sex with dead bodies, corporophilia, which is the eating of feces, and other forms of sexual deviance. Now, this is what the sex industry includes, all right? Now, with such behaviors, sex is reduced to the animalistic level or the basic instinctive function where emphasis is placed on mechanical performance in orgasmic pleasure instead of spiritual bonding or emotional expression. People were led to believe that pornography could be a substitute for real sexual relationships with people. They really were led to believe that. They believed that pornographic materials could temporarily satisfy a sexual urge, but it cannot and it could not replace human relationship. Excessive use of pornography eventually destroys the sexual intimacy in relationships, creating emotional emptiness, loneliness, mistrust, self-alienation, spiritual deprivation, division, and confusion. Now, it takes time, energy, and an effort to build an intimate relationship, an intimate relationship. Pornography takes away from the human dynamic and interferes with the bonding process. People become desensitized, cold, or detached. Now, we're going to have to go ahead and continue our conversation about pornography in part two. Thank you. Thank you.